You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The car feature with Nicole Lowe. Yeah, we've got some questions for Nicole already coming in. So give us a call. Uh, put yourself in line to speak to him if you have any car-related problems. That's 011-883-0702. Remember, Nicole is a technical specialist and is also the former technical editor for Car Magazine. Still contributes, in fact. Good afternoon, Nicole. Hi, Antonio. Hi, listeners. So, um, Nicole, let's address because you you answer general questions at the start before we take calls. So, quick couple of questions, right? Um, There was news not too long ago that uh, there's a shortage of chips. And that's why we were seeing um, the production of a number of cars running low. Um, What is the picture like now? Yes, so that's not the chips we eat. That's the chips <laughs> that goes into no. the electronic module. So the, the correct word for it is actually a semiconductor. Okay. And it's a component that's used in electronic modules. And not only of cars, also of tablets, also in phones. So we'll even see those will become a bit difficult uh, going forward. So what, what really happened is in Japan, one of the major factories uh, burned down. And in Texas is another one that they had such a cold, cold uh, snap there that the factory also had to close. And now, since the restrictions have been eased a bit over the world, people are buying cars again. So it's a perfect storm that there aren't enough of these semiconductor chips for the electronic control modules. And uh, we, uh, the electronic control modules affected are mostly those in luxury vehicles. So we talk about the safety systems, the camera systems, the radar systems, all these lane departure, automatic braking, all those kind of uh, control modules are used these semiconductor chips. Um, and even the company I work for now, SVI, the armored vehicles, uh, when we try to get hold of, for example, the top of the range, Hilux, Bucky's now, or uh, Ford Ranger Bucky's, mm-hmm. there's a shortage of them around and people will know about this. You order one and you have to wait for months to get it mm-hmm. because uh, they're not producing because I haven't got these chips. So, And they, they mentioned that, first of all, they thought it will take a, a couple of months and then everything will, will resolve. Now the word is out, it might take years. What? It might take a year and a half before the situation rectifies itself. Oh, it's, it's, it's a terrible situation. That long? Sure. I mean, the car market was already affected by uh, lockdowns last year, you know, and the impact on economies. Uh, we know that the figures from last year were hugely affected, and now to have to deal with this sort of delay. Yeah, and it's also because with the the car, the automotive market has gone so global that all all everyone uses the same suppliers, and mm-hmm. there's not so many suppliers of these semiconductors. So if you've got two major of these plants that either shut down or burn down, then you've got a problem in the world, and that's what we're seeing now. Yes, yes. Well, let's hope. Let's hope that it's resolved. We'll continue to monitor it. Um, Nicole, stay with us. And we've got quite a few questions coming in for you. Let's start with Peter holding from Alberton. Peter, hi. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you, Peter? I'm good, yeah. I'm I'm driving a Polo TDI 1.9. It's a diesel one. Yeah. Polo TDI. Uh, uh, I think model is 2007 upwards. Mm. So the, the problem the problem is hard start. But in the morning when it is cold, there's no problem. But after maybe during the day, like today when it's hot, then it's, it's, it, I, I experience a hard start. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe I, I can maybe uh, start maybe three to four times before I go. Yo, you have to try that many times. 
Yeah, I think. But in the morning, there's no problem. It's only one kick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but when the engine is too hot, it's one kick. Yeah, yeah. What yeah, could be the problem, yeah. Nico? Yeah, it's uh, I, I, strange I, I, to hear. I, 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 I will listen on the radio. Sure, go ahead, Peter. Yes, Nico. Okay, yes, Peter. So, yeah, that engine was actually quite famous for VW. It went into Golf 4 as well. It could do high mileage. It's very fuel efficient. It's interesting to hear about uh, a hard starting when hot. Normally, it's hard it's starting when cold. Yes. Yeah, especially in winter now with battery problems and all those kind of things. So, my, my first, um, I would first say do a diagnostic check on the vehicle just to check all the sensors. Um, because the ECU, the engine control unit, needs to know the temperature of the engine to adjust the fueling and so on. So if one of those sensors are gone, the fueling might be right, might not be right. So maybe uh, when it's cold, the, 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 the incorrect reading from the sensor more ties up with the fueling that's needed. But when it's when it's hot, that doesn't tie up anymore. The other, um, I think what I'm thinking about is maybe there's some air leak on the, in the fuel side of things. So maybe there's some air ingress in the fuel system when it's hot, some air comes in. Because he says he needs to crank it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So maybe it needs some time to build pressure. Remember, diesel's got a very high pressure injection system. If some air gets into the system, uh, then, it, then it will take a, a while to work that air out and actually um, then inject the fuel. Uh, this is just something that I think about at the moment. Um, but yeah, I would say the diagnostic check is the, the best one uh, to do first. Um, what you can also do is maybe, because it's such an old vehicle, I would guess it's, a, it's quite high mileage, also check the compression ratio. But again, you would expect the compression to be lower when it's cold than when it's hot. So again, I don't think that can be the case. So diagnostic check first and then maybe air ingress into the, the fuel system. Mm, mm. Yeah, uh, that's what you can look at, Peter. Thank you for the call as you're listening. Next, we've got Dion in Woodmead. Uh, Dion, you've got a BMW. What's going on? Hi, I'm Anika. Um So I've been experiencing a lot of coolant-related issues on on my vehicle. Um, I could take it in, they fix it. Um, mm. And then a couple of weeks after that, it's something else. So they claim that... Um, the vehicle might be leaking from um, some different weak points within the, the, the coolant system. So I just wanted to know, is this common? It's a 2017 uh, S13 LPI. Um, and um, is it perhaps time to let go? From the cars from 2017? That's correct, yeah. Sure. Uh, Nicole? But I, I do... I do quite a lot of mileage. Sorry, I have to oh. have that, yeah. Okay, all right. So, Nicole, why is this such a recurring problem? And if there are leakages, what does he need to do? Yeah, so remember with your cooling system, it's a closed-circuit system. Um, so you shouldn't have any leaks. You've got your coolant. It's normally a mix between water and antifreeze. And then your cooling system uh, consists of your radiator and then you've got all your rubber housing that runs to the engine and then you've got your galleries that go through the engine to cool it down and you've got a water pump that circulates the, the coolant through the engine and then you've got a thermostat. The thermostat is like a valve. So when the engine is cold, you actually want it to heat up quickly because it runs better at operating temperature. So then the valve is closed and then it will open as the engine gets hot to start circulating the coolant and keep it at about 90 degrees coolant temperature. That's what you want from your cooling system. It's also a, 
a pressurized system because remember water boils at a higher temperature when it's under pressure you don't you never want your coolant to boil so that's why it's a pressurized system as well mm. um so there can be leaks in the system uh, if you take it to one of these uh radiator specialists what they will do is they'll put the radiator under a pressure test so they actually pump it up with air to see where does the water squirt out it can it can obviously leak at joints at pipes you need to make sure that all those are in order first. Um, then you get more serious leaks. Uh, you get a leak at a water pump. If your water pump is, is going, there's a seal that can go and will also leak at the water pump. The most serious water leak that you can get, uh, now just one of the minor ones is actually your radiator cap. It can even leak there. One of the most serious leaks is when a head gasket of your engine goes, then, mm. then you won't even see a leak on the floor. I mean, normally we expect when there's a leak on the garage, you go underneath the car, you'll see a puddle of coolant on the floor. But if your water level just drops and drops and drops, and you don't find any leak on the engine, it's quite possible that a, a head gasket is gone. And what that happens right. then is some of the coolant goes into the combustion chambers and then goes out the exhaust while you drive, so you'll never see the leak. Um, and then they can, the, the radiators experts can also test for that because how they test for it is if you see combustion gases present in the cooling system, then you know there must be a leak between the coolant and the combustion chamber. So they've got a, like a chemical test that they do on the coolant to see if any combustion uh, gases present here. If yes, then it might be a, 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 a head gasket that's gone. And how you confirm a head gasket is by a compression test on each cylinder to see that your compression is, is there. So I mentioned quite a few things here, but in a nutshell, that is what you have to, to look at when it comes to cooling systems. Right. Stanley's given us a call quite urgently with another suggestion of what it could be. Hi, Stanley. Hi, Aza. Yes, Norman, I've had a similar problem. It, it was quite perennial. Oh. Quite sometimes. I would buy the, refill the, the coolant. And then the two days later, it says I've run out of that. So I thought it was a leakage. Mm. But then I found out that some garages were selling a, a, an expired coolant. A, and, and then I now have insisted when I buy the coolant, I, I check the expiry date on it. And the one I put now has really lasted me for quite some time. The problem is not there anymore. And I drive a BM also. But mine is a bit older than the guy who I called Which is called Dion, yeah. yeah. So what's the effect yeah. of it being expired? Aye, we've just lost Stanley. His uh, um, line just cut. Nicole, any thoughts on that? On the no, viability um, of that coolant? If, I mean, he's, he's probably, uh, caller just uh, might be mentioning uh, antifreeze. So the additive that you put uh, with water, yeah. what the additive does, antifreeze, is, as the name suggests, it does raise the boiling point of the water because many other functions as well. It's got a rust inhibitor, mm. so there's no rust in the system. It also has got a lubricant in there, so it lubricates your water pump and so on. So it's got quite a few functions. My personal opinion would be that um, out-of-date coolant uh, or antifreeze should not uh, make your, your coolant disappear because it's still a closed system. So yeah. even if it's out-of-date, it's still a fluid and there still needs to be either a hole that leaks to the ground or a head caster that's gone to go into combustion chambers out of exhaust. For, so for me, it obviously, it's not, it's not a good idea to, to have antifreeze out-of-date. Nobody wants that. But uh, I don't think that will result in the leak that we're talking about here. Right. Okay. Uh, Dion, there you have it. A number of uh, things that you can pursue out of this conversation. Nicole, stay with us. We are going to take more calls. Bridge in Florida, Jonas and Ranfantine, Franz, uh, Francois, we're coming to you straight after the break.
0614-104-702. The Car Feature with Nicole Lowe. Well, back to the lines for you to get that expert opinion on any car trouble you're having with Nicole Lowe this afternoon. And we go to Jonas in Ron Fontaine. Hello, Jonas. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Welcome, Jonas. Good, good, good. Nicole, uh, how is um, I have a, yeah, I bought a, a, a T5 Combi 2006 model. Mm. And then it's no longer performing now. It, it, it has no power. So somebody told me that it could be uh, the table. So I just wanted to ask if uh, uh, um, it's a common problem for this Kumbis. Uh, uh, and once they start having these problems, can they be repaired or, or, or do I have to change the whole engine? Sure. Um, Any questions for him, Nicole, before he goes? Well, what's the, it's a diesel engine, I presume. And what is yeah. the mileage of the engine? Uh, the mileage is over 200 and it's a diesel. Yes. Okay. So if you say it's lacking power, um, it can be the turbo. The turbo is obviously the component that compresses the air, supplies more oxygen to the engine. It can add more fuel. So if that component is not doing what it's supposed to do, then you will be down on power. It might actually also smoke a lot more when the turbo is, is gone. Um, but I would first take it for a, a test again, um, diagnostic test first, and also for a boost test. The way to test if the turbo is actually functioning is to measure the boost pressure, because that's what it does, essentially just a pump that oh. pumps the fresh air and increases the pressure. So if it doesn't reach the, the pressure thresholds, then you know the turbo. What normally goes in a turbo, it looks like a, it's a shaft with some impellers, uh, and that shaft has got bearings, and normally it's a bearing failure, and it will also start leaking oil there at the same time. And it will also, that's why I say, it would normally be a smoky, smoky outer exhaust as well. So first check if that is indeed the case, because there are other problems that can also result in uh, a lack of power. But in that, on that mileage and uh, stating the, the model and so on, it might, might well be the turbo. Um, now you don't have to replace the whole engine. Luckily, the turbo is a component that you can replace by itself or fix by itself. There's many... Uh, aftermarket turbo companies that can actually recondition the turbo as well. So they take the component out and they can recondition it, put new bearings to the turbo, check that all the impellers are still okay, um, and refit it to the vehicle. The, the turbo is a quite expensive component. If you have to buy one brand new, uh, you can pay probably between 15 and even 30,000 rands, depending on, on which turbo it is. If you recondition the turbo, it can probably be half the price of what I mentioned now. But as I say, first, just make 100% sure it is indeed the turbo before you start spending money on it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, Nicole. Next, we go to uh, Bridge in uh, Florida. Hi, Bridge. Bridge? Bridge, are you there? There's a funny ni- li- sound on the line. Uh, let me just put Bridge back to my producer. I wonder what that could be. Uh, Francois, you're in Florida. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes, I just want to ask Niku, I have an Opel Astra, uh, it's a 96 model, 1600 fuel injection. So I figured out uh, what the problem is. It's an air temperature sensor. It comes on the side of your intake manifold. So I don't get the sensor nowhere, not from the agents, not from any space uh, place. I've been checking for two weeks now and I can't get a sensor. Is there a possibility that I can bypass this sensor hmm. uh, because the car is actually overfueling at the moment and I can't get it started? Right. Nicole? 
Ja, 96 was a time before the OBD uh, onboard diagnostic testing really started. So, um, first of all, um, the, the, the caller needs to make sure that, that it is indeed that sensor. Obviously, on the intake side, there's a mass airflow sensor, and normally the mass airflow sensor has also got a temperature sensor inside. Mm-hmm. Um, it would affect fueling, but there's quite a, other, quite a few other sensors that will also affect fueling. One is your lambda sensor and exhaust and so on. So... If the caller is certain that it is indeed the sensor, and the easy way to check is find another mate of yours with the same car, or even if you see somebody in the shopping center with the same car, see if you can swap sensors quickly and just double check. That's the easiest way to to know if it's indeed the sensor or not. But then it, I'm very uh, surprised that uh, the sensor is not available. Um, I would also have checked the dealerships first, and then obviously all the auto centers or part centers. And if that's not uh, available, um, which is very strange, what you can do is also try the internet. Um, I have, um, I play with classic motorcycles and some of those parts I can, can't get anywhere and I import them. So that's uh, the last uh, step is to actually just go on the internet and order the part from abroad. Remember, it's not an Opel part. Uh, it's probably produced, uh, produced by a company like your Bosch or, or any of those uh, companies. Mm. So if you can have the part number as well, and you can check the make of the sensor. Maybe you can get, go to the supplier directly. If it's, for example, a Bosch, maybe a Bosch would be able to tell you where to find a sensor. So I'm just thinking aloud now. That's maybe another uh, step that you can take. So take the part number, just Google it. It will tell you which is the supplier of that sensor, and maybe you can source it that way. Right. You're going to have to get creative, Francois. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Thank you. And Nicole, thanks to you as always. See you again next thanks month. Thank you. Thank That's you. the technical yes, specialist. Nicole Lowe, former technical editor at Car Magazine.